0: I am told that the wheels of the bus go round and round, but what of the people on board? And does the circular motion happen if there's not a driver to steer the little wheel around? That's part of the theme for this October 6th, 2021 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to plot out as many of the possibilities as possible in each and every installment. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, updates on regional transportation studies and issues from the Regional Transit Partnership. A 250-unit apartment complex is in the works along Rio Road in Albemarle County. Materials are available for the next Seville Plans Together hearing. And Charlottesville has been awarded $153,500 in Reggie money for flood mitigation along Morris Creek. In today's subscriber-supported public service announcement, the Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards continues to offer classes and events this fall and winter to increase your awareness of our wooden neighbors and to prepare for the future. On October 19th, there's a free class on the selection, planting, and care of trees from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. In early November, there is a three-part class on winter invasive plant identification and treatment. Information on all those classes and the group can be found at charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. The percent positivity for COVID-19 has further dropped to 8.3% today, but the number of new cases reported increased by 3,919. Another 50 new deaths were reported overnight for a cumulative total of 12,999 in Virginia since the pandemic began. There are another 100 cases reported in the Blue Ridge Health District today. Plans have been submitted in Albemarle County for a 250-unit apartment complex on Rio Road. According to the application for a rezoning prepared by Collins Engineering, the heritage on Rio would consist of seven buildings and a clubhouse on 8.23 acres of land. The properties are all zoned R6, and the application is for a rezoning to Planned Residential Development, or PRD. There are currently four single-family homes that would be removed to make way for the development. Here's a statement from the application. At just over half a mile from the Route 29-Rio Road intersection, the proposed community would be within walking distance to many conveniences, including the numerous retail shops and offices in the Berkmar Crossing commercial area, several grocery stores, the Northside Library, and the large number of destinations surrounding the Rio 29 intersection, including CVS Drugstore, Fashion Square Mall, Rio Hill Shopping Center, and Albemarle Square Shopping Center. The developer is GW Real Estate Partners. The project will also have to go before the county's Architectural Review Board because Rio Road is an entrance corridor. Materials are now available for the October 12th public hearing for the Charlottesville Comprehensive Plan, one of three tasks that the firm Roadside & Harwell is conducting for the city as part of the Seaville Plans Together initiative. The City Council and Planning Commission will hold a joint hearing on October 12th, but now they'll also hold a two-hour discussion on the plan update the day before, from noon to 2 p.m. The draft comprehensive plan and the future land use map are available for review now. The document is 118 pages long, and this is the first time the entire draft has been put together with its 11 chapters and several appendices. Take a look at the material in a link in the newsletter. The professionalization of fire and EMS calls in Albemarle County reached a new stage on Monday when the Ivy and Pantop stations began 24-hour service and two other milestones were met. According to Albemarle's Public Safety Information Officer Abby Stumpf, an ambulance moved to the East Rivana station to implement cross-staffing, and a daytime fire engine went into service at the Pantop station. The Pantops fire engine will be the first to operate out of a station that was built on land donated to the county earlier this century. For the past 18 months, Albemarle has been implementing an initiative to hire more personnel, funded in part through a $1.9 million grant from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, as well as investments approved by the Board of Supervisors. In all, Albemarle has hired 22 new safety officers in the last 18 months. Earlier this year, Virginia joined the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, a multi state program that places caps on the amount of carbon emissions for many industries. If companies exceed their limits, they have to purchase credits. Revenues go to state governments for programs such as the Virginia Community Flood Preparedness Fund, which is set to receive 45% of the funds from REGI. So far, Virginia has received $142 million over three auctions. Charlottesville will receive $153,500 from the Flood Preparedness Fund to mitigate the impact in the Mars Creek watershed from flooding. That's part of the $7.8 million in grants announced yesterday by Governor Ralph Northam. The funds are distributed by the Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation, an agency that is also working on a master plan for coastal resilience in Virginia. Most of the funding is going to localities either on the coast or much closer. However, Charlottesville is not the westernmost recipient. The city of Winchester will receive $65,040 for a resilience plan, and Buchanan County will receive $387,500 for plans and capacity building. And that's enough money for them to hire a consultant. Charlottesville will use their funding to create a two-dimensional hydraulic model for the Moores Creek watershed. According to Andrea Henry, the city's Water Resources Protection Administrator, 2D modeling is used to identify drainage issues, and then that result can be used to predict where flooding will occur and how it can be stopped. Speaking of the draft comprehensive plan, water resources protection is covered in Goal 3 of Chapter 7, Environment, Climate, and Food Equity. Here's a section of the Community Vision Statement for that chapter. Charlottesville will be an environmental leader with healthy air, water, and ecosystems, as well as ample, high-quality, and accessible open space and natural areas, and a preserved and enhanced tree canopy. The Rivanna River and other water bodies will be celebrated and protected, and environmentally sound community access will be enhanced. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second Substack-fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit code 4 to learn more about all of those projects. For the rest of the show, we're going to talk transit. We are now six days into Tri-Transit Month, an effort to encourage people to consider using fixed route or on-demand service to get around the community. It has now been 13 days since the Jefferson Area Regional Transit Partnership met on September 23rd. Since October of 2017, the advisory body run by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District has served as a clearinghouse for different providers. Karen Davis is the interim director of Jaunt, and she stated one of the biggest challenges facing all bus fleets. The driver shortage continues. Um, Jaunt's going to move to match UTS and, and CATS recruiting and retaining bonus programs um, to try to entice more people in the door. Jim Foley, the director of pupil transportation for Albemarle County, could not give an update at the meeting because he was driving a school bus. Becca White, the director of parking and transportation at UVA, said ridership is rebounding following the pandemic. We are up to um, about 8,000 riders a day uh, on our system. 3,000 of those are employees, and the rest are um, students. That's down from pre COVID levels of around 12,000 to 15,000 a day while school was in session. Or during the height of COVID, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was three to 4,000 passengers a day. One of the steps that UTS has taken to make efficient use of their drivers has been to eliminate bus trips on McCormick Road through the heart of grounds during the day. White said that might be one reason that numbers have not rebounded as high. We need to concentrate our transit trips from the endpoints in, given the um, limited resources that we have. The free trolley-style bus operated by Charlottesville Area Transit has returned to McCormick Road. CAT has been fare-free since the beginning of the pandemic. CAT Director Garland Williams said he is hoping to keep it that way by applying for a Transit Ridership Incentive Program grant. Uh, Applied for the uh, TRIPS grant program with the state uh, to keep CAT uh, zero fare for additional three years. Williams said planned route changes that had been studied and approved by council will now not take place until January due to the driver shortage. Under the new alignment, Route 11 will go to the center at Belvedere, and there have been requests to make that change now or sooner. Williams, however, said that would present problems. If we were to make the adjustment to the center now, prior to making all the adjustments, we run the risk of individuals who are using the 11 missing their connections, because it does take longer to go to the center and get back. Williams said the timing will be correct when the route changes are made in January. On September 1st, the Afton Express began operation from Stanton to Charlottesville with a month of fare-free ridership. The service is operated by Bright, the transit service in the Stanton-Augusta-Waynesboro area. They are now charging $3 each way. For the first three weeks, the service only carried about a dozen to 18 passengers each day. That's according to rideshare manager Sarah Pennington. So we're still looking to creep those numbers up, but it is nice and early. Pennington also discussed what the regional services are doing for Tri-Transit Month. One thing is the usage of the hashtag on Twitter, bus or bust. Albemarle County and the TJPDC are continuing work on a transit expansion study. The latest milestone is publication of a market and service analysis from Foursquare ITP and Michael Baker International. Here's an overview of one of the study areas. Ripe for service expansion, the U.S. 29 corridor is the second busiest transit corridor in the region. The Albemarle County Comprehensive Plan, adopted in 2015, outlines goals for increasing the supply of affordable housing for households with incomes between 0% and 80% of the area median income through rezoning and incentives to developers. The study also covers Pantops and Monticello. There will be a stakeholder meeting on October 22nd from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. and a public meeting on October 21st from 6 p.m. to 7:30 p.m. Here's Listen to Shannon, the TJPDC's transportation manager. Those will be going over the um, the new alternatives or the draft alternatives that they are working on for each of the three study areas. The TJPDC is also conducting a regional transit vision study. There's a stakeholder meeting for that tomorrow at 9 a.m. The consultant is EPR, and the meeting can be watched live on their YouTube page. And that's going to be asking people for um, trying to identify community goals around transit and you know what the community values and what they want to see. You can also offer your views as part of a study that's on the project website. But before we go, let's look at the draft comprehensive plan one more time. Transit is embedded in many chapters of the plan, including the land-use chapter. But take a look at Chapter 6 and Goals 5 and Goals 6. Williams' attempts to help CAT become fare-free are specifically embedded in Strategy 13.2, which reads, Ensure that transit is financially accessible to all residents and those who work in the city, including low-income populations, the elderly, and those with disabilities. Remember, Hashtag bus or bust. And that's it for today's installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, which had a lot of things moving around, not unlike our system of buses, which all of the wheels going round and round. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I am grateful for all of the support that allows me to continue to go round and round while also producing this newsletter each and every day, or uh, however often I'm able to get to it, uh, you can support that in many ways. We talk about it at the end of every single one of these programs, so I'm not going to do that today. Instead, I'm just going to say thanks for listening, and please send this on to somebody else if you think they might be interested in it. The audience is growing; it's 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 come a long way in the past 15 months. But the best way for us to continue to move forward and for this information to continue to be provided is really. For you to get it to other folks So if you can share it with others uh, People in your neighborhood, people you work with um, The information here really is Intended to give you an overview Each and every time of what's going on That's uh, pretty much all I've ever wanted to do As a journalist and here I am Managing to do it thanks to all of those Who have supported so far I'm Sean Tubbs, the host as I've said And I'll be back tomorrow with another installment Of Charlottesville Community Engagement Now if you don't mind I have to go catch a bus